The American mindset is more like, why not? If you have an idea, and the German mindset is more like, why? In the US, I always felt like it's a little more all or nothing. Like either you're fully in it now or like you can't be in it at all. I think people here are so scared of commitment and confrontation. And Germans are not uh, scared of conf confrontation. Confrontation is in our blood. Welcome to the Daily Beyond Borders podcast, where I sit down weekly with guests from all around the world to chat culture, dating, and human connection. So join me and let's break down those barriers together. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode. Today's guest is a content creator who has moved from her home city of Munich to Ohio, US, where she now lives with her American boyfriend. She has amassed over 500,000 followers on YouTube and truly has an incredible engagement on her videos, which has centered around the differences between living in Germany and the US. Not to mention a podcast where she discusses the intricacies and pitfalls of living within cultures, something that is also very familiar to the theme of this podcast. So welcome to Felicia. Um, as they say in German, and <laughs> Felicia, as they say in English, mm -hmm. you may also know her as Feli from Germany. It's such a pleasure to have you here, finally. Thank nice you for having you. me. Nice to meet you. Yeah, I've been a fan. I've been a fan. I've been watching your videos. I really love uh, all the content that you create around, uh, you know, the cultural differences between Germany and U.S., and I know people are loving it too, considering the amount of views and engagement that you get on your videos. Thank you. I've also, I've actually reacted to one of your videos before with my boyfriend, the one about, of course, what it's like dating a German woman. Oh God. Oh God, <laughs> I hate that video. That really? is, yeah, that is such an oldie. I mean, there's some truth in that video. There are some good moments in that video. Uh, but if I could go back and redo some of the older videos, I would. I think every content creator feels like that though. Like if, if I even look back to the ones that I first started, I still have them on my channel, but I cannot look at them. Like, I mean, it's okay if people watch them, that's fine with me, but I don't ever want to watch those videos ever again in my life. <laughs> it's too cringe. I get that. Honestly, like I'll, I'll watch some of those videos back and I think, what was I thinking? Why yeah. did I make this video? And you know, and people reacted quite well to it back in the mm -hmm. day when the when internet wasn't saturated with the amount of content, you know? True. No, I but like that video. I mean, it was a little bit like, over the top, but I think it was clear that it was, you know, exaggerating to make a point kind of. Yeah, yeah. I used to create those, uh, you know, your dating videos and people used to love yeah. them and they still ask me, can you please go back and make those videos? And mm -hmm. what, what I don't know if you've noticed this about yourself as a content creator, but you start creating certain types of content and then people start asking you to just keep doing that. And you're like, mm -hmm. it's like an actor that played one good role and, you know, they played this funny role and everyone just knows them as this. You're like the Chandler Bing of really sad reference, but you're just, you're like a Joey of friends. You're always doing that same part and people expect that from you. Yeah. And then you don't want to be restricted though to just doing that kind of video. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I'd love to talk to you a little bit about content creation as well since yeah. we're here. Um, but let's start off with your journey. So you yeah. moved from Munich, from Bavaria to Ohio. I did. 
tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I usually start my videos with that. I always say I've been living here. Uh, well, I'm originally from Munich, Germany, but I've been living here in Cincinnati, Ohio, on and off since 2016. So 2016 is the year that I first came here. And it was just an exchange semester, just like so many of these stories start. It was just a study abroad towards the end of my undergrad, which I got in Munich. Um, so basically, I grew up in Munich and then I stayed for university as well, or for my bachelor's at least. And I just really, really liked my time here in the U.S. The whole reason why I came here in the first place was that I really wanted to um, experience that college life before my time at university was done. I wasn't really sure if I was going to get a master's. So I was like, you know what, this might be the last semester for me being a student. So I kind of wanted to have those college parties and the American college life. And I actually got that. I came here and I, I mean, I didn't have crazy high expectations. I was like, obviously, it's not going to be as crazy as in the movies. And then I came here and it was way crazier than in the movies. <laughs> I was very shocked by that. Like I went to frat parties and everyone was doing keg stands, so like a handstand on the on the beer keg and everyone had the red solo cups. And I don't know, it was just wild. <laughs> um, and, you know, like the, the huge football games and the huge stadiums and all these events on campus where all the food is for free. And I didn't know that from German University. German universities don't have a lot of money. So all you get usually is like a broken projector and a teacher and that's it in a classroom that probably half the chairs are broken. So <laughs> um, I wasn't used to that. That was really awesome. Um, so that basically that was my first experience and dating plays a role there as well to kind of get into the topic. Um, one of the other reasons why I really liked it here was that during that time I met someone and we um, dated throughout the time that I was here and then we also tried to keep up a long distance relationship after I left because of course I wasn't just able to stay here but after I went back to Munich um, after that one semester I really wanted to come back so I'm gonna try and keep it short but after that basically I was looking for different ways to come back and it's not easy but I eventually found an unpaid internship I couldn't even find a paid internship but I found an unpaid internship so I did that for half a year at a nonprofit organization here but it was basically like half a year in Germany again, then I came back here on this other visa, Then I, it was, but it was only six months. So then I had to go back to Germany again. Then I was able to get my master's here in German studies because they were looking for native speakers. Um, so that was pretty cool. And I didn't have to pay for tuition for that either. So that was awesome. So then, th then I did that for a year. That was also cool that that was only a one year program. Um, and then I was lucky enough to win the green card lottery and I got a green card and then since 2019, I've been able to just be here without being restricted to one specific purpose. Because usually when you have a visa, it's connected to your job or to your university, and you can only do that one activity. With a green card, I was able to just be whatever I wanted to be. I could be unemployed, I could freelance, I could start my own YouTube channel, which I did, um, and kind of turn that into a job. So that's that's the journey, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So, and and this is the, the when you when you mentioned that you started dating and you met a guy. This was your current boyfriend, or this was no, someone no, else. someone else <laughs> that did not work out in the end. So that's we can talk about that a little bit if you want to talk about dating later in terms of the things that didn't really work for me. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, we're definitely gonna get in, going to get into the dating. Um, but I'd love to start off with just like you mentioned the parties, the American parties. Mm -hmm. Growing up in Germany, what was the idea of the American dream, uh, you know, that you had in your head before coming to the US? 
the American dream. I mean, I, I would say that Germans are actually were very Americanized in one way, but also very critical towards the U.S. So I think most Germans, if you ask them about the American dream, they'll kind of think, oh, yeah, that's just some kind of marketing bullshit. Like there is no American. Like what's the American dream? Having no health care, no access to education, living in a tent because you're homeless and there is no welfare in your country. That's this is very harsh. But I think that a lot of Germans do think like that in a way. So um, I didn't really have that. I, I never really wanted to move to the U.S., to be completely honest with you. I just wanted that party side. I just like and I had been to the US before so like I knew that people were just very outgoing and friendly and I just thought, you know, for 5 months that's what I want. I never wanted to live here full time. There was a lot that I didn't really like about the US and even the people whenever I was here for short periods of time before I moved here permanently or more permanently, they would get on my nerves because they were too friendly or too much in, in my German perception. And then something changed when I was here for a longer period of time because suddenly I realized, oh, you know what? It's just once you get to know them and like understand the culture a little bit better, you kind of understand how it works. It's kind of like a code that you have to crack in a way. Um, and it's not as superficial as it seems at first if you're coming from another culture. Um, so yeah, basically, um, I guess forget what the initial question was, but the American dream thing, that wasn't even my, that wasn't even like the reason why I wanted to come here. And the American dream in my mind was more not real. Like I was more critical towards that, I think. Yeah, I've noticed that traveling in Germany and, you know, in, and in Europe in general, is that there is kind of a dislike for the fakeness that mm -hmm. America represents. Uh, there, There's a feeling that it's not real. Yeah. And I get the both sides. Like, I do think it can come can come off extreme when you watch shows like love is blind for example it really is a crazy um kind of a turn off for me you know just hearing people speak because it's just too much yeah. they're always yelling they're always like oh my god oh i love you so much oh that shirt it's so great and i just you know i wasn't born in canada i'm originally from eastern europe and so i yeah. tend to be more direct and you know i've lived in canada for most of my life canada is quite similar to the us at least toronto where i live uh it's not as I don't want to say obnoxious, but not <laughs> as obnoxious. Um, and so I, I completely understand where Europeans are coming from. But having said that, I do think that Americans tend to be quite helpful as well, uh, like a lot more positive as well. Absolutely. I mean, they, they have a really positive outlook on life, which in Europe, at least in places like Germany, uh, the UK even, friends people tend to be very critical and to bring yeah. you down you know i mean you know you've seen that joke where it's like a little kid who wants to be something and the american parents are like you can be whoever you want to be <laughs> whereas like europeans for the most part unless we're talking about southern europe are like no 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 be realistic yeah absolutely i 100 agree with that and that's also one of the things that i did end up falling in love with even though at first i came here with my german attitude and i looked at it like oh this is all fake who needs that who needs a fake friendliness like that doesn't even mean anything and after a while i was like oh this is actually really healthy for my personality and i don't i totally understand that this isn't everyone's thing to like the american culture but for me i realized that for my personal development, just the, the way that my personality worked, I was suddenly, I felt so free. And one of the part of that is always being abroad. You always feel more free. But I just felt so free and support 
supported and not judged as much um, here in the U.S. Because whatever I told people, they not whatever I told people, that sounds trivial again. But when I told people I had a plan, I would hear, oh, my God, that's so amazing. Um, such a cool idea. I could totally see you do that. Like, for example, starting a YouTube channel or, yeah, I think I want to try and come back to the U.S. My German friends would be, really? Why? And how are you going to do that? And I would have to say, well, I'm not sure yet, but I think I'm going to try and figure it out. And my American friends would be like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Yeah, you're totally going to figure it out. And for me, I just felt how that was really helping me find a side in myself that I feel like was always suppressed a little bit growing up in Germany and always having to justify everything you do and always being faced with that criticism. And that's one of the reasons why I live here now. So I totally agree with you. <laughs> I think that's such a great point. I always wonder what is better in the long run. I mean, uh, we talk about Europeans, you know, having this kind of realistic attitude towards things. And also, I think not standing out as much from anyone else, right? Mm -hmm. Like, don't yeah. be too different. Yeah, be Whereas, fit in with every, yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I've seen that in extremes when I go to Scandinavia, they actually have a word for it. But it also happens in, in, in the Netherlands. They have a phrase for it. Um, be normal, be like everybody else. And it's the tall poppy syndrome, right? It's like, don't, don't, don't stand out too much or you're going to get cut. And I wonder if that kind of limits people in some way, because then you're right, you don't want to be judged. And in the US, it's this mindset of go big or go home, which is completely on the opposite yeah. scale of things. I always like to say, um, to break it down, it's basically the American mindset is more like, why not? If you have an idea and the German mindset is more like, why? Why would you do that? And that's also something that I still experience in day-to-day -day conversations in Germany, where it's like a lot of the conversations when you talk to someone of like, hey, so what are you doing now that you graduated university? People immediately justify themselves. Like they're like, oh, I found this job. It's not the best, but you know, I think it's like good for what I need right now. And they start justifying immediately. And it's like, you don't even have to justify it towards me. Like who, but they immediately think that's how the German society works that you have to tell the other person why this is an okay thing to do and usually they kind of put it like in a we, in German we would say relativieren so like they make sure it doesn't sound too crazy good and not too crazy bad it's like you you kind of like say yeah you know it's not the best but it's it's pretty okay it's 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 good for what I what I want so everything you do in life is kind of just like this you justify it as this like mediocre thing to do and I still face that too whenever I meet new people so like I don't know at a birthday party or something like that and I tell people that I live in the US they usually ask why and they get a little bit critical and then I have to justify myself which is weird. What's the criticism around living in the US? Is it like, oh, they have a ter terrible health care, they have guns, that kind of stuff? That, yeah, that absolutely. The political climate, um, people denying things like climate change. Germans are very educated about American politics. And so, yeah, all of those things. Another thing that's very interesting for me is like, Germans tend to be quite open in certain aspects, like the nudity mm -hmm. aspect, you know, yeah. uh, which you would never find in the US. I mean, nudity is not much of a thing in the US. When we go to the sauna, we do so clothed. We don't yeah. go naked. I did the naked German sauna experience when I was in Munich, <laughs> actually. Because I was like, I was I need <laughs> oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. <laughs> it was awkward. I, yeah. It was my first time going nude in the sauna. And I I was creating a video around the concept of nudity, which is how I found your video about nudity. Mm -hmm. And I decided to try it out for the day. 
it was incredibly uncomfortable. At the beginning, it was fine because there were other women in the sauna that I went to. But then all of a sudden, the women seemed to have vanished by some mysterious <laughs> force. And it was just the men. And there was a point where I was lying naked in a steam room with just one man sitting there. Most of the men were older. So mm -hmm. it wasn't like, it wasn't a sexual thing, you know, but uh, people criticized me a little bit afterwards because I, 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 you know, kind of exposed my thoughts on the matter. And I said, you know, for me, it, it was very weird to think that it wasn't mm -hmm. sexual. And they're like, well, this is normal for us. Yeah. And I said, I realized that, but this is my first time doing such a thing. And it was, it just didn't feel natural for me. So, yeah. But when I asked Germans, they were like, oh, no, we were not really into nudity. We don't go nude. But do you go nude to the sauna? They're like, oh, yeah. Is there any other way to do sauna? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. But also, like, communal showers or something like that. I feel like it's pretty common to just be nude, like, at a public pool or something like that. It's it's common to just see naked people there. Not everyone's naked, but a lot of them are. Yeah. And they're able to separate nudity from sexuality, which I think in, in America, it, it, it the two go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I personally don't go to the sauna a lot. I'm just not a sauna fan. So I don't do that a lot. Um, but I feel like if I had been in that situation with just one man, I would have felt awkward too, even though I did grow up with that mindset that it's not sexual, but even if it's not sexual, it's still kind of weird. <laughs> like it's still kind of like, especially when it's just two people. I feel like if it's just you and a stranger in a room, even with clothes on, that's also already weird. So then add the nudity to it and I could totally see how that's that's awkward. Exactly, yeah. I, I don't understand why people are like, no, no, that's normal, except that, that that's normal for you to be naked with another yeah. person. You don't know at all in the sauna and act like that's just a thing that you do. So yeah, that yeah. was a really interesting experience. <laughs> I've also interviewed some nudists, but I feel like mm -hmm. nudity is going out of style in Germany. Like the FKK movement is no longer mm -hmm. such a huge deal, at least not in Munich, even though the English Garden still has some nudists. Like yeah. oh, there's just a few, just a few. There's still a, like big groups of them, but a lot of them are older people. So, yeah, I could totally, I don't know if what the numbers are, if it's actually going out of style, but I could totally see that because I don't really feel like you see a lot of people my age in the nudist areas, in the in the parks and uh, by the lakes and stuff like that. The lake that I used to go to as a kid, which was like super close to where we lived, there was always a nudist area that we would uh, ride our bikes through. So like basically we would like take our bike to the lake and then kind of go around half of the lake to the spot that we wanted to go through. And we had to go through the nudist area. And uh, there was always a volleyball field and they always played naked volleyball. And for some reason, I feel like that's the thing that they do a lot of sports or like physical activities and um, I don't know as a kid it was definitely always like oh okay hello Just everything's flying around <laughs> I don't really honestly am I too North American I don't see the point like what's the point of that I mean you know? I could kind of see the like idea behind it to feel connected to nature and everything um I don't know if they if they want to do it that's totally okay with me but I mean I I would never do that either even though I will say as a I think I mentioned that maybe in the video I don't remember but as a child for example um I was actually a kid that ran around naked for pretty long I think in the US that maybe wouldn't be considered normal but I think up until the age of four or five um like on vacation or at the lake um there's pictures of me just completely naked even though my little brother had like a swimming diaper on and I was just and my parents had swim clothes on and I was just naked um, but I think that's also pretty normal in Germany for little kids and I, I think, think it's, it's also yeah sorry I feel and like it's normal in the U.S. too but I, I've just a lot of people here at least I noticed that they 
are very worried about people taking pictures of their naked kids. And um, I see a lot of really little babies or small toddlers with even like bikinis on and stuff like that, even though obviously they don't have breasts yet. So I think there's somewhat of a difference there. A hundred percent agree. When I was growing up back in Russia, I mean, that was normal for children to go naked because mm -hmm. it's just what you do as a child. And when you see these little bikinis, you're like, it's a waste of money. It's going to grow out of this bikini in like yeah. two years, one year. What was really different for me was when I went to Austria mm -hmm. and I saw there was a family of a father and two girls and the girls, I think, were around 12, 13 years old. Okay. And all three of them were naked and they were jumping in the lake. That was different for me because I was mm -hmm. like, children, fine. But when you see two grown girls completely naked jumping in with their dad, that's when you're like, wow, this is different. And I totally understand that. You know, it's like if you don't think of it from the pedophilic point of view where it's like oh no don't do that because someone's going to take photos of you or there's like perverts around yeah it's just the way to do it but what was interesting when i was in germany i wanted to get to the bottom of it i was like well do they do it because they, they feel closer to nature and the only responses i got were well this bikini is not very comfortable it gets mm. wet so i just prefer to go nude which mm. you know whatever they didn't think too much <laughs> about it <laughs> yeah what else have you noticed uh, was a difference in mindset between German culture and American culture? And I feel like there should be quite a lot of things, but something that it, it was really a stark contrast for you. I mean, I think the optimism is one thing, but we already kind of covered that. Um, so that's, as I said, one of the main reasons why I'm here. Like when people ask me, why do you live there? My number one reason is mentality. And then a few other reasons like convenience honestly um i also bought a house here which i would have never been able to do in germany or at least where i'm from in germany in munich but germany in general it's very difficult as um, a younger person to buy a house just financially it's i don't know a single person my age that has bought a house yet um in germany so those are definitely some of the reasons um mentality wise because i wrote down a few things in preparation um but some of the things i wrote down are more like the size is so different here everything's bigger but that's not really a mentality thing i guess but can i ask you about the apartments in germany yeah. is it true that when you move out of a place in germany it's common to take all your furniture with you mm -hmm. like even the kitchen you take the kitchen. yeah i mean the kitchen um I don't know a lot of people that actually take it with them, but it's definitely come. I mean, some people do. So technically the kitchen belongs to the tenant. Yeah. So when you move into a new apartment and you're renting, it's very common that the apartment is completely empty, even the kitchen. So there's no kitchen cabinets, no appliances, nothing. You'll just have this empty room with maybe some tiles on the on the wall as a backsplash and then pipes sticking out and then it's your responsibility to put in a kitchen um in a lot of cases you can buy the kitchen from the previous tenant because obviously it makes no sense to like take the kitchen with you to the new apartment because in a lot of cases it won't fit so it's very common that you then pay the previous tenant to just take over the kitchen um I'm sure some people actually take their kitchen with them. I feel like I've never actually experienced it myself. I've mostly just experienced moving into an apartment where the owner, the landlord, just tore out the previous kitchen because it was so old, like it needed renovating. And so they tore it out. And then I had to get a new kitchen or people ask to if you want to take it over. But yeah, technically, all of that belongs to you, even the lamps and everything, lamps, curtains, bathroom uh mirror bathroom Ref vanity everything <laughs> refrigerator as well yep 
everything. Uh, like basically uh, the only thing that you get is the apartment and electrical connections, but usually like there won't even be a light bulb. Um, that's interesting. I started thinking, imagine I moved to Germany and I'd have to move into a new apartment and essentially I'd have to buy literally everything, yes, like, yes. everything. <laughs> or you can maybe get like a furnished apartment or something like that, which is also a thing. But yeah, basically that's exactly what you have to do. You have to buy every single thing, even like the, the shower curtain. I mean, shower curtain you buy here too, but like the pole for the shower curtain or shower, like a wall, if you want, like a sliding door or something like that, everything. Yeah. Wow. So that's a huge difference because I, I don't mm -hmm. think I've ever seen anything like this in North America. I feel like everything no. comes furnished. I know. And like a lot of stuff is included, even when buying a house. I was surprised that like when we bought this house, like the washer and dryer was part of the house. I was like, that doesn't even make sense. Like take your washer and dryer. Like I was expecting to buy my own, but I thought it was really convenient that I didn't have to. Do you find that this kind of connects to the idea that Germans are very pragmatic and efficient and if they're going to move, they're going to take everything because it's theirs and it's not yours? <laughs> kind of. I don't, yeah, I don't, honestly, I feel like in terms of pragmatic, that's actually not very pragmatic in my <laughs> mind. I mean, Germans are very much pragmatic and efficient, um, but I think that has more to do with just our relationship to money that's a that's actually a huge difference mentality difference so hey i do have another another point for the list the way that we approach money 100% is so different going into debt is a huge fear of germans germans don't take out loans easily i mean some germans definitely have a mortgage for a house or maybe pay off their cars but that's not really something that's common that's not something that everyone has debt um, if germans do have a credit card they don't usually use it as a credit card they usually use it as a debit card but just take the the perks of the credit card but they wouldn't actually put a like debt on the credit card here, however, pretty much everyone that I know is in debt in one way or the other, whether that's um, student loans, medical debt, credit card debt, paying off a car, everything that they buy is like they pay it off. And I, that's a huge difference and something that I'm glad that I'm from Germany because I haven't really gotten into that trap because I was raised with that other mentality. And so I feel like even though I never had a finance class or anything in Germany, I just naturally have that mindset of why would I buy something that I don't need? Like we're in Germany, we're very frugal just as a society. I feel like people love comparing prices. Um, they love getting deals, but not really the way that Americans do, where it's like they get something really, really expensive and then they get 10% off. Um, it's more like Germans love to also buy secondhand stuff. Or um, when eBay first came up, eBay was huge in Germany. I know it was huge here too, but everyone just loved selling their old stuff and buying old stuff. Because um, like, why would you throw it away? I think sustainability or just like the, the mentality for long lasting, high quality products is huge in Germany which we still have in a lot of fields, such as kitchen appliances, for example, or washing machines. Um, we still have more products that last longer, even though it is with just capitalism and over time, the companies definitely make products that break sooner. But I feel like in the US, that's even more common to just like have a dishwasher and it's normal that it'll break in a few years or something and you have to replace it. In Germany, people love to just fix it and keep it as long as you can, even your cars. Um, 
fix it and keep it as long as you can. Not everyone does that, but that's like a general mentality difference. And here, even with my boyfriend, he has credit card debt, he has student loans, he has all of that. And um, to me, like, when I first heard about all of that, it was freaking me out, even though it wasn't even my debt. I was like, oh, whew, okay, that's that's a lot of debt. Um, let me help you pay it off somehow. Like, let's make a plan to, you know, pay it off as soon as possible. And for him, it wasn't even that big of an issue. It wasn't something that he was lying awake at night and thinking about. It was just like, yeah, it's normal. Everyone has that much, that much debt. Yeah, I, I find it really interesting that you mentioned that Germans tend to be very frugal because mm -hmm. I also find the Dutch are very much known for that as well. And it's yeah. for me, what's interesting is that this is not the the poor part of Europe. This isn't yeah. Southern Europe. This is like, what do you consider Germany? I mean, Central Europe, right? Yeah. And and I find that as well true with Northern Europeans as they, mm -hmm. they, they very much live a life of balance, of saving for the long run, for not spending too much. And I've always wondered why that was. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, because, I mean, Germans tend to make quite a lot of money, right? They can afford to spend more money, but they mm -hmm. tend to save more. I think one of the reasons in Germany specifically, and I don't know if that would also apply to the other countries around us, um, I always thought that it had a lot to do with World War II. So, for example, in my family, um, my grandparents' generation was the war generation. I'm like, my family's generations are a little bit shifted. My parents had me really late and then their parents had them really late. Um, so I guess for a lot of other people my age, it would be their great-grandparents. Um, but basically my parents grew up with parents who experienced the war. My parents were born in the late 50s. So basically these people, my, my grandparents, they all lived through a time when it was really, really luxurious to have potatoes and to have butter and to have all these necessities in life. That was luxury. And so they, once Germany came into wealth again in the 50s, a lot of people kept that mentality that, of course, they didn't take it for granted. I mean, they enjoyed themselves, but I think they kept that mentality of like, why waste money on something that we don't actually need? Um, and I feel like that's still very present in our society. Then, of course, also the GDR. So all the people that live there have that same mentality where, like, you don't go crazy on consuming stuff that you don't need because you don't know if that's going to be available forever. I mean, in the GDR, they had to wait for a car for years. Um, they had to stay and be in line for hours to get, like, one product and... I think that has his history has a lot to do with it, I think. On the other hand, I could also just see that the northern or central and northern European countries, just the way that the cultures developed had to plan ahead more because of the seasons compared to like southern European countries, because they had to plan for the winter and like make sure that they're prepared and everything. And maybe that also has to do with it. I don't know. That's just a guess, though. I think that's a great point. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I think about the, the, the two parts of it. But the first, I mean, I have family that comes from Soviet Union. And of mm -hmm. course, GDR, yeah. uh, you know, very much connected <laughs> because of obvious reasons. And they do have the same kind of mentality, you know, like, why take, you know, my dad, for example, I mean, he grew up in Ukraine, but he even, you know, when he was doing like incredibly well, he was like, why would I take a taxi if I can take a bus somewhere? And I'm like, but it yeah. doesn't make any sense, you know, because I don't see it the same way. But it is interesting. I, uh, I did couch surfing with a 
German man when I was in Germany. At this point, I've been traveling for, I think, two months. And I was kind of like, okay, I need to really start taking care of my budget. So I did couch surfing. I don't know if you know of it, but it's yeah, yeah. you stay for free. And so I get to this guy's house and, uh, and, and, you know, he's like an architect, so he makes a lot mm -hmm. of money. And I remember I was like unpacking some stuff that I had and I just had, I think just a little bit of spaghetti left and like a few cherries and, and things like that. So I, I, I put the cherries on the table, we ate the cherries and, uh, I had just a little bit of spaghetti and I was going to throw it out and he's like, no, 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 no. Let's wrap it up for tomorrow. But the cherries, we ate the cherries. We literally had three cherries left. I kid you not. Next day at breakfast, he puts the three cherries there for breakfast on the table. I mean, he cooked a great breakfast. I'm not going to say he was like overly frugal or, any, or anything like that, but I could see it in the way he was reusing things yep. for for the next day, which I don't think is much of a thing in 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 US or Canada. You wouldn't see no. it as much. I have a lot of stories actually relating that. Okay, first story kind of related to dating. One time I got really, really mad at my boyfriend. This was only like a few months ago where we had dinner and there was something left over and it was a meal that I cooked and I really liked it. And I think it was maybe, I don't remember what it was, maybe pasta also. And it was only a teeny tiny bit left uh, of Ben's portion, so of my boyfriend's portion. And he just like went to the kitchen and threw it out. And I got really mad at him because I was like, that was the last bit. Like I finished my portion. There's nothing left. I would have liked to eat yours tomorrow maybe. Like I'm not hungry right now, but... That was really good food. Like, please don't throw it out. And I got really mad at him because he didn't even think about it. I've seen a lot of people, especially during my college time here, throw out a lot of food. Like instead of putting it in a Tupperware and putting it in the fridge, just like throwing out half a plate of spaghetti, kind of like what you said. Um, and I would, I mean, at, when other people did that with their food, I wouldn't say anything because it's their decision. But I was very shocked by that. Um, my dad, I think this happened last year. I was home in Germany for like Easter and we went to a beer garden, just my parents and me. And at the beer garden, we had like potato salad and a pretzel. And there was like maybe this much left of the pretzel. Well, I'm trying to, um, so maybe like two bites or something like that. And my dad naturally wrapped it up in a napkin and put it in his pocket because you can still eat it later. <laughs> and yeah, what I 100% agree with that observation. And even though I am not the like post-war generation, I'm, another generation after that I still have that same mentality and I think a lot of Germans do and it even like is being revived a little bit with like the whole sustainability mentality in Germany that's very present like don't create waste like creating waste is considered very not just frowned upon but I feel guilty when I create too much waste and so um, I think even like this whole new aspect of sustainability plays into that and kind of helps to maintain that mentality that has even been there from the war. And it might even be crazier or stronger now again in Germany. Another another thing that I've been told when I first came here or like the first year, and there was like two or three people that told me that I was humble because I always, when I was offered something, I would say no to so many things. And I was just like, oh no, I didn't mean it like that. I just, I'm not thirsty, it's fine. Like I don't need anything. Um, and one time this was m with my boyfriend, back in the day so with my first american boyfriend we were at like a jimmy john's like subway like a sub place and he got a sandwich and i didn't i wasn't hungry i didn't get anything and so then the the employee it was just us at the store and she was like oh honey do you want um do you want a drink at least here i'll get it to you for free and i was like no no i'm good no thank you because i had a water bottle in my purse because i always carry water with me and um 
And then she was like, oh, do you want a cookie for free? And I was like, no, no, thank you. I'm good. And then we sat down and my boyfriend got really mad at me. He was like, that was really rude of you. And I was like, but, but I don't need it. Like, I don't want to waste like a whole cup, like a disposable cup if I'm not thirsty. And I don't really like soda anyways. And I just, I wasn't hungry for a cookie. I, I'm sorry. And that was a whole mentality difference right there. I felt like, cause I, in my mind, like, why would it be rude to say no to something like that? If you don't like, for me, it was just like, but I don't need it. So why, why waste the cup? I don't need it. I'm good. Interesting. Yeah. What about when it comes to dinner parties and things like that? What have you noticed with Americans versus Germans? Are you uh, referring to wastefulness also? or <laughs> You know what I'm getting at. <laughs> Disposable dishes? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I'm interested uh, to, to find out kind of the contrast. What I've heard about Germans is that if they invite, a, uh, you know, five people, they're going to cook mm -hmm. for five people. And if you invite an extra guest they're going to be unprepared for that because mm -hmm. the initial you know thought was well there's five people coming mm -hmm. and whereas americans tend to be a lot more well 10 people can come 20 people mm -hmm. can come we'll just make food for everybody what have you noticed in that regard um honestly that's not really something i've, I've thought about a lot but that is that is definitely true um like even <laughs> there's a thing there's um a whole meme field in German media where like the stereotypical German is called the Alman. Um, it kind of comes like from the contrast of Turkish immigrants compared to like your typical Germans. And a lot of the memes show situations where like you bring your Turkish friend home with you or not doesn't have to be Turkish, but like a friend who isn't from a stereotypical German fa family. And um, they come with you and the parents are like, oh, yeah, hi, glad that you're here. But uh, we're going to have dinner real quick. You can wait in his room until we're done having dinner instead of like inviting him to the table. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, that's definitely a difference. I think you're right. People do cook for like the amount of people that they expect. Um, I think that also has to do with just being frugal in a way, just like being very precise with that. And just the, the money aspect, too, in a way, I think. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that. It's actually a phenomenon called Swedengate, which was really uh -huh. popular in Sweden, where yeah. if two kids were playing together and it was time for dinner, the parents of the friend of the, you know, of the second kid would tell the first kid, wait in the room, we're going to have dinner, mm -hmm. and then you can continue playing again, which kind of bewildered and angered you know, uh, Middle Eastern people, Eastern <laughs> Europeans, Balkans, you know, you name pretty it. much everyone <laughs> else. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> they're like, I would die. I would die. I could never do that. And I've seen the same responses from Dutch people that, yeah. you know, they tend to do that as well. And now you mention it Germans as well. So it's, uh, yep. <laughs> it's a weird thing. I think it has to do with hospitality in a way that we just don't have that culture of like, let's invite everyone and we'll just like splurge on all this food and money and kind of live over the top in a way like if I've been invited to for example um I went to a school in Germany my high school or my gymnasium um with a lot of people that had a migration background as we say in in Germany so people that were from families that weren't from Germany um and I had a friend who was from Iraq and we went to her place to like prepare a presentation one time and her mom had like this entire buffet set up we were just there to like do some school stuff but it wasn't just a lunch or a dinner. I think it was like afternoon or something. It was like five meals set up on the table with like these huge portions as if it was a birthday party or something like that. It was crazy. I didn't expect that at all. And so I felt a little bad too because like all of 
I don't remember how many people we were, but it was definitely me and one or two other classmates. And I don't think we like were very hungry because I think we had already eaten and we didn't expect there to be food. And that was a huge culture shock. My parents would never do that. Did Did you like it? How did you feel about it? I mean, I felt very like welcomed and treated, but I felt a little guilty because I was like, oh, shit, I didn't. I didn't really expect this and I didn't really know what some of the food was and I'm vegetarian too and I was like oh I don't I don't think I can eat this like this has meat. <laughs> um, do you feel like there's also kind of a, a fear in a way that if someone's going to do that to you if someone's going to welcome you this way then you're going to have to re reciprocate now you owe this person something. Maybe maybe I don't know I hadn't yeah. thought about that. I wonder, you know, I, I feel yeah. like that's, I, I really genuinely, I mean, genuinely, I love hospitality and I love it when someone cooks up a great meal, yeah. but I do think it also sometimes comes from the culture of like, let's show them that we have it better mm -hmm. than them, you know? Mm -hmm. So I feel like, you know, even with my, with my Russian mom, uh, when she goes to dinner parties, a lot of times she'll have conversations with her friends over the phone, like, oh, so-and-so didn't have a good meal. It wasn't, oh. it wasn't really good, you know, it wasn't enough food and things like that. So I find it really interesting because it comes from a good place, you know, like yep. you want to feed someone, you want to make someone Absolutely. feel welcome. There's something really beautiful around that. But a lot of it, it's with uh, either showcasing that you have more because it, it, it usually happens in countries where people don't really have a lot yeah or you know so it's like oh no but I, I can do better meal or I'll welcome you better and now yeah. you have to reciprocate and do that as well and also I think it comes from cultures where people uh really relied on each other mm -hmm. for uh for food essentially or for for anything really right because the government didn't take care of them so if you need something you're going to go to your friend's house and ask them for salt or ask them for something else and they're going to share that with you whereas i feel like germany the netherlands like scandinavia they didn't really have that as much like you didn't really have to rely on other people as much i mean i think it's a in, in Germany throughout some parts of history definitely did but I think it just like happened in a different way Germans are very very reliable friends and like we'll do anything for each other in a friendship but I think it's just it's shown differently it's not shown with like huge meals that maybe would go to waste because I think it also goes back to the like whole thought of like oh why like maybe they don't want to eat that much and then what do I do with all the food um it's just a different mindset in that regard I think but I, I feel like Germans still like help each other out a lot. It's just not that thing that you said about kind of showing how much we got. Like, I think that is not something that is valued a lot in German culture and German mentality, like showing off, I guess, in a way isn't that's more like looked down upon. And it's very interesting, actually, also in compare in comparison to American culture in terms of like houses and stuff like that. A lot of American houses look super, super impressive on the outside. But then when you go inside, it's like pretty average. Like it doesn't really uh, match the outside. Not all the time, of course, but I've seen a lot of those examples, like in the suburbs where like the house looks great, like a castle on the outside. And then on the inside, it's just super average. Um, whereas in Germany, it's most of the time, it's the other way around. Houses don't really look impressive from the outside. People usually have hedges and fences because they don't want people to see their house even. It's not like it's completely the opposite. They don't want to be like, hey, look at my great house. It's more like, please don't look at my house. This is mine. Like, this is my privacy. Please, I don't want you to see my yard or see my front door. And so the houses on the outside look usually like pretty modest. And then you go inside and then that's where the luxury is if people have money. 
there's a focus on size. <laughs> yeah, like and curb houses. appeal is like the 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 keyword curb appeal. <laughs> what what is curb appeal? It's like uh, well, I from what I know, like buying houses is just like making your house look attractive from the outside. So like yeah, making your porch look nice, your front yard, all of that, just like making it look pretty from the street. What else have you noticed when it comes to just the differences between German and, and American culture? I think you mentioned it in the video. I mean, or you, your boyfriend actually mentioned that you like to go for walks a lot. Yeah. Or, <laughs> and you're like, no, actually, I haven't been on a walk in a while. But that, yeah. that's a huge difference, isn't it? It's a huge difference. Germans, I mean, Europeans in general just walk a lot. I mean, not just Europeans and other countries as well. But in the US, just walking isn't really a thing, especially in you know, more Midwestern cities. I mean, of course, in New York or something like that, you do walk. But in most other places of the US, your car is your best friend. And if you don't have a car, you're pretty screwed. Whereas in European cities, that's not what they're made for, right? They're made for walking, you can ride your bike, you can use public transportation. And walking is also a huge free time activity for people, not just walking, just any kind of physical activity. I mean, my parents, even they're in their 60s, they're so freaking active. And they're not the only ones, everyone in our neighborhood or in my family is that active. That's just normal. So they go rollerblading all the time in the summer. They every almost every evening, they take their bike or their rollerblades to the lake. Then they swim across the lake and back. Then they do paddleboarding, huge bike tours, like, I don't know, like 30, 40 kilometer bike tours, like on a just on a nice Saturday. Um, hiking. I don't know. It's just like that's a way of life in Germany. It's it's like, I think it has to do with the weather as well. Germans love outdoor activities because our weather is so unreliable that whenever we do have good weather, people already look forward to it. So if they see on the in the weather forecast that it's going to be nice tomorrow or on the weekend, they'll already make plans and they don't want to waste a nice day inside. Because you never know if the like, in this during German summer, it's possible that you'll only have like, two nice weeks and then the rest of the time it's raining <laughs> so you never know you gotta use it when it's there i agree i spent <laughs> the summer largely in germany <laughs> i didn't really swim a lot but uh and I, and you're right like you do see i mean hiking is a huge part of uh european lifestyle especially mm -hmm. like germany austria yeah you when you go hiking you see a lot of older people hiking yeah. And I haven't really found that to be much of a thing in the U.S. I guess if you go to some provincial parks in California somewhere, that might be the case. But people do love to be to drive a lot everywhere. And I I personally don't like that. I personally yeah. need a city that I can walk through because mm -hmm. I'm not someone who likes to be in the car all day long. Yeah, I don't live in a city like that, unfortunately, but I do miss that. The thing is, I kind of like the convenience here. Um, and of course, it's it is very convenient that you can drive everywhere here, because on the other hand, at least in Munich and in other bigger European cities, driving is stressful and it's usually not quick because you're going to be stuck in traffic. You're going to have to look for parking forever. Um, parking is stressful. You're going to have to pay for it. So it's not convenient to take your car um, here in Cincinnati and in other like mid-sized U.S. cities. It's usually pretty convenient to to drive around. Um, here, for example, there's usually free parking. Or if you have to pay for parking, it's like a meter on the side of the street and you don't have to pay a lot. In Chicago or New York, that's a whole different story. I think Toronto as well. It's not that cheap to park, I don't think. But here, it's like everywhere you go, every movie theater, every bar even, which is not necessarily safe that bars have parking lots, I, I don't think. Um, but everywhere you go, it has a huge parking lot. And there's just always enough parking. So 
that's definitely something that is convenient. On the other hand, I do miss living in a city where I can just take my bike. I used to literally take my bike everywhere, um, like to high school, to my high school. So for eight years to my gymnasium from fifth uh, through 12th grade, I took my bike there every day, unless sometimes if it was raining, even though it was like a whole competition between me and my friends, like who was the toughest. And some of my friends would even take the bike when there was like four feet of snow. And they would just like still take their bikes through the snow somehow. And then I was always like the weenie because then my mom would drive me to school if it was like really bad weather. But for the most part, I took my bike. And then later I would take my bike to the subway station, take my bike to university, take my bike to work even. If it was like a 30 to 40 minute ride by bike, I would still take my bike because it's beautiful through Munich. It's just like, it's like a little, like you combine your free time activity with getting to work. It's nice. And you get a little workout too. And everyone takes their bikes. There's literal bike traffic jams. Like the other day I was just in Germany and my boyfriend's parents were, uh, were with us and it was their very first time in Europe in general. And we were in downtown Munich and it was beautiful weather. And there was like this whole bike group passing us. And Ben's mom said, oh, they must be like a group. And I was like, no, that's just a bunch of people getting off work. Like, I don't think they're together. They're just, this is just bike traffic. <laughs> and then like, you literally have to uh, sometimes wait several cycles of the bike traffic lights to get across because there's so many bikers. That's super funny. I actually, yeah. just as a side note, I really love Munich. It's my favorite city in Germany. I think it's such a beautiful city. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm biased though. <laughs> No, I really love it. Like I've been there, I think three times and every single mm. time I'm like, I think if I lived anywhere in Germany, I would pick Munich. Definitely mm -hmm. not Berlin. Somewhere yeah. I would never live is Berlin. You either love oh. Berlin or you hate Berlin. Absolutely. Like, you're either like a Berlin person or you're not. Yep. Exactly. There's no in between. <laughs> no. Yeah. As a side note as well, like whenever I watch these TikTok videos, there's this one where it's like always showing Germans in black being like, the I EDM love techno scene. music. I'm <laughs> like, that's not Germany, that's Berlin. Man. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Even though, I mean, EDM is pretty big in all of Germany. So like you can find these scenes or these groups in all German cities, I think in Munich as well, but it, you don't really see them like out on the street as much. You have yeah. to look for them. <laughs> So any other differences before we get into the dating? Because I'd love to hear about your dating experiences. Okay, let's see. I mean, I actually took a lot of notes before this because I wanted to make sure I didn't forget anything. Okay, I'll just like tell you my list briefly. And then if you go want through them, yeah, if you want to talk about anything more in detail. So I wrote down size and space. That's I kind of already mentioned that one of the things is also space in terms of living space that was so luxurious for me just like how normal it was here specifically in like the midwest to have a bedroom that fits a queen size bed and like a desk and all these things whereas if you have a shared flat in germany it's very common that you can like maybe fit a twin bed and like a tiny desk and that's it and then you're you're still gonna pay a lot of money for it and then buying a house here it was crazy to me how common it is to just have a freestanding house like no walls attached on the left or to the right and you have a front yard a backyard a porch and it's not that expensive at least here where I live um, so that was crazy um small talk I think we kind of talked about like the out how outgoing Americans are and that's actually something that I used to not like so much at first and now I love it I love that you can just like have small talk with a stranger at the supermarket or at the airport or just like at some kind of social gathering where you don't know each other you can just still chat about something I had yeah. to learn that a little bit 
<laughs> no, I, I wanted to I wanted to touch upon a small talk. I think uh, yeah. Europeans have this notion that small talk is fake, it's meaningless, it's superficial, it's a waste of time. Waste think, of time, yep. <laughs> I think it can be. I think it can be. I think it's all in the way you do small talk. Yeah. Like if you and I meet and we're like, nice weather, yeah, great. Then it's just kind of, it is a waste of time, you know? But I think a lot of people, and especially nowadays with this loneliness epidemic, so many people are feeling completely alone, completely yeah. isolated. So if you feel like you can't even strike up a, a conversation with a person that you don't know, then you're feeling like completely isolated. You know, you feel like, oh no, but if I say something, I'm going to be labeled as weird. And so like at least giving people that permission to speak to other people, I think is a positive thing. Whether or not it's fake, it depends on the two people having the small talk, you know, because yeah. you can have a pretty good short conversation and at least it doesn't have to go any further, but you can leave the conversation feeling like I talked to someone today. Because I work from home and mm -hmm. I know the feeling of spending the whole day at home and not socializing with a single person in one day, yeah. you know, and Absolutely. I'm sure you can relate to that as well, being a YouTuber. And I love small talk now. I mean, honestly, I still suck at it a little bit. I had to kind of learn how to do it, like how to even come up with something to say. One of the things that I'm definitely lacking is the knowledge in sports, because a lot of the small talk here revolves about around sports and I just don't know anything. So then I can't bullshit with people like my boyfriend always does that he'll always just like with the cashier or someone just like talk about some player or how the game was or something like that um but i just like it now because it leaves me with a good feeling like there's nothing wrong about being friendly to each other the thing is i really like small talk now because i feel like it gives me a good feeling like there's nothing wrong being nice to each other and just like giving each other a compliment even like one of the biggest small talk topics that I also experience is just like a random person on the street or at a bar at a restaurant just being like hey I really like your coat or hey I really like your shoes those those are so cute and that's not really something that happens a lot in Germany and that's just like such a nice thing like you just give each other a nice feeling and even if you're just talking at the grocery store to the cashier or someone I don't know it's just it's fun and nice to have a friendly conversation with another human being telling them some something positive they tell you something positive you like have empathy for each other like even if it's just like you talk with them and then you ask oh are, are you getting off soon and they're like oh no I'm like doing a double shift or something and then just like oh man I, I feel bad for you I'm sorry or just like showing some empathy or something like that I just now I really, really appreciate that, even though I used to totally think it's all fake and superficial and who needs it, it's a waste of time, et cetera. Exactly, exactly. No, I 100% agree with you. I think it can be if if someone, you know, if the conversation is very, could be very fluffy, but at the end of the day, we all just get that, we get that connection from a random person. I think that's all that matters. Sometimes yeah. we get too much in our heads. And I think, you know, overall we're social creatures and it's, you know, actually studies have linked social uh, connection to happier, healthier life. So mm -hmm. why not do a little bit more of it, even if it's just for two minutes, you know? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. On to the next one. Okay. And then a big difference, of course, that I didn't want to just leave out is the system. So what we said earlier, the healthcare system is, of course, very different. And it's something that I do have to deal with. The cost of education, um, the welfare system, poverty, taxes, all of that is obviously very different. And I think to a big extent, something that Europeans criticize a lot. And there's some Europeans that move to the US that move here because of that because they 
don't want all these taxes and they don't want all, all these rules and having to pay into the system. But me, for example, I like the German system and I still go to the doctor, mostly in Germany. Um, and I don't really... The healthcare system here is good in the sense that like when you do need something, there's usually great facilities and very educated doctors and everything, but everything costs you a lot of money and the access to it is sometimes very restricted. Just like a couple months ago, my boyfriend's mom tore her meniscus, so like injured her knee and it just happened in the parking lot of her work. And instead of calling the ambulance or something, she called my boyfriend, which he's also self-employed. So he also works from home, which is nice. He was able to just go there on a Tuesday Tuesday morning and pick her, pick her up because she didn't want to call the ambulance because that's usually not included in your insurance, which I think should be the first thing that's included in insurance. Um, and it costs like $2,000 or something to call the ambulance. So then he went there, picked her up. And instead of going to the emergency room, they went to an urgent care, which is kind of like similar to an emergency room, but it's like a walk-in facility. We don't really have that in Germany a whole lot. Um, it's not for emergency emergencies that are as urgent usually, um, but also because emergency room visits are usually not covered by insurance or not fully covered. I don't know the details, but it's usually very expensive to go to the emergency room. And that's like one of the things where I was like, how is this a first world country where like your mom gets injured and she doesn't even feel comfortable, even though she has a really, really good insurance, she doesn't even feel comfortable calling the ambulance and she has to rely on someone in her family being able to pick her up. And um, I don't know. That's definitely something that I 100% agree with that. <laughs> I live in Canada, so things are better. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I just did a poll the other day yesterday, actually, where I asked people what they love and like least about their countries. And all the Americans mentioned the healthcare. like that yeah. was that was at the top. And I can totally understand. I mean, as a self-employed person, I wouldn't even have health insurance in the U.S., like, what would I, I do don't. if I had an issue? You don't. I mean, I, I have emergency health insurance. So what I have, just because uh, for me, it uh, seemed to be the best option. I have a German expat insurance. So it's basically like a traveler's. Well, not a, it's like for people who live abroad, but it's it only covers emergencies. So it doesn't cover like a regular checkup or something like that. Um, and it's a German insurance because it has German conditions, which I like a lot better. Um, I actually used this before. Three years ago, I broke my wrist here and I had to get surgery and everything. And if I had had regular American insurance, it I definitely would have had to pay a lot of money out of pocket. And this this surgery, because I saw the bill officially, supposedly they always like negotiate with the hospital. So I guess the, what you see on the bill isn't the actual price. But what it said on the bill was that the surgery alone cost $50,000. Oh, my God. I'm not, I'm not kidding. And that's just the surgery. So like in addition to that, I had all these... Uh, appointments beforehand, the x-rays, afterwards, the follow-up appointments, um, physical therapy and all of that. This was literally just the, the surgery and I didn't even stay in the hospital overnight. It was an outpatient surgery. So yeah, that was crazy. It's, honestly, there, there's a huge trend of Americans traveling to Mexico to get mm -hmm. surgeries done because it's just so much cheaper for dental work, for example. It's wild. Yeah. So that's something that I wrote down. Um, then consumerism which we kind of touched on that just like there's always a lot of everything and there's a lot of waste which that's still something that i really struggle with is how wasteful people are and not just people but businesses like there's no real sense for being more sustainable um just getting 
three to go drinks or coffees to go or whatever it is a day and throwing all of that out is so normal here. Every time that you go to like a fast food restaurant or sometimes even like regular restaurants, you'll have so many disposable dishes and so much waste that you create. Even at hotel breakfasts in the US when you go to an American hotel, for the most part, at least what I've experienced, you'll get disposable dishes, plastic silverware, etc. And that's definitely something that's still weird for me, especially because Germany has always been more conscious in that regard. But in the last few years, it's become even, we've become even more conscious in Germany. Like now they have these systems in a lot of cities where um, it's like a deposit cup system. So they have these cups that you get when you get a coffee to go. And then you can return that same cup at other places as well. And it's this like hard plastic reusable cup instead of having something that you throw away. Yeah, I, I love this reel that I just watched by Liam, you know, the the yeah. the the very famous German creator, or he's British. Yeah, where he, he goes on, it was super funny. He goes on vacation, and he forgets to throw out his uh, or not to throw out but to return his plastic bottle. Um, bottle. Yeah. <laughs> and he like takes it everywhere. It's so true. It's so it true. is very true. Such I do that all system. the time. Yeah, when I'm in Germany, and like, um, I get a bottle of water somewhere, then I'll carry it around with me until I can return it somewhere because you don't want to throw it away. Or you can what you can also do is like, if you're still in Germany, in his case, it didn't work, you can give it to a homeless person, for example, or someone because that's a thing a lot of people, poor people will um, collect Pfandflaschen, so the deposit bottles and cans, because it gives them 25 cents per thing. That's a cool incentive. I really like yeah. that. I feel it's so sad that, you know, a small portion of the world, countries like the Netherlands, Germany, and Scandinavia, again, we name the same few, <laughs> uh, but they really have a, a, an awareness of the sustainability and they really try to uh, promote sustainability in, in, in everything that they do. But then most of the world doesn't really follow the same practices to the point mm -hmm. where, you know, they just literally trash everywhere. And it's just so sad because they're really trying their best, but most of the world is not letting them. But anyways, uh, <laughs> getting back from sustainability, um, let's talk let's talk again about the people and okay. specifically, let's get into the dating scene. Okay, so um, it's interesting because I think I went on my first date in the US just a few weeks after I came here um, because I started dating someone um, in the US. And I think most of my culture shocks happened then. And not so much my current relationship because my current boyfriend I met like almost five years after I first came here. So at that point, I was already very used to how dating worked here. I think one of the biggest shocks was the gender roles in a way and how traditional dating was in a lot of cases. So, for example, for my first date with my ex-boyfriend, he came and picked me up at my place with his car. And I didn't expect that. Like. In Germany, it's very common that you just meet up at a place and both people get there and then you leave from there, unless if you want to hang out more. But it's not really something that like someone picks you up at your house and then they bring you back home afterwards. I knew that from American movies and I was like, oh, interesting. I didn't expect that to happen. Um, then he paid on the first date, which is not something that's uncommon in Germany, but it's also not like super expected. I feel like for first date nowadays, it might almost be more common in Germany that you split the bill or that somehow you like one person pays for dinner and then the other person pays for drinks or pays for dessert or something so that it's like equal. Um, so that was definitely not a huge surprise, as I said, but I, I noticed it. Um, then 
I noticed also that that wasn't only a thing on the first date, but on following dates as well. And whenever I did want to pay, it was like something that he turned down. And I think he almost felt embarrassed about it. Like I remember one time, and honestly, maybe this is a little bit trashing him a little bit, but um, I thought that was too much that I offered to pay. And he was like, okay, cool. Yeah, you can pay, but you have to give me your card because it's weird if the guy doesn't Like, I want it to look like I'm paying. And so that was weird to me. I was like, what? I mean, I, I was like, okay, whatever. You can give him my card. I don't care. But like, why is your ego so fragile that you need to make it look in front of the waiter and the other guests that you're the one paying? Um, that's something I noticed. And then chivalry is a big thing where like American guys are very big on holding the door open, opening the car door for you. Um, walking on the outside of the sidewalk, so towards the street. That's like a thing that I had never heard of before, before I came to the US. Um, I forget what the reason for it is. I think it has something, has some historical reason that I think maybe they didn't want the woman to get dirty from like horse waste or something like that in the streets. But basically like a lot of guys feel like it's impolite if they let the woman walk on the street side of the sidewalk. Never heard of this being a thing in, in America. I mean, I've experienced it several times. So like both my ex-boyfriend and my current boyfriend did this. I mean, my current boyfriend doesn't do it as much anymore because I find it a little ridiculous. And um, as a German woman, I often felt patronized a little bit by these things where I was like, yeah, it's really nice of you to open the car door for me. But one time, this was actually after my first relationship and then I was on a date with someone else um, and he insisted that I couldn't get out of the car until he had got gotten out of the driver's seat, walked around the car, opened up the car door for me and then I could get out of the car. And that was nice the first time, but then he wanted to do that every single time. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Like I'm a grown up woman. I can open my own car door. I don't want to have to wait 10 seconds every time for you to like come around and open the door for me. Um, so some of these things I felt, yeah, almost like uncomfortable with, even though I understand that it's a, a good intention. But for me, I come from a culture where everything is just a little bit more emancipated, I guess, and a little bit more equal. I think compliments also is a huge thing. American guys, compared to German guys, give a lot of compliments. How does that, you know, as you mentioned, as a German woman, you felt really uncomfortable around waiting for a guy to open the car door for you. What about compliments? Was it too much for you? <laughs> Good question. I feel like I've gotten used to it now. And I think it's it's a learning experience, not just for Europeans, but I think just in general, um, in personal development to just learn to accept compliments. So I think I've definitely learned that by now. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know if I was uncomfortable. I think I just didn't believe them at first. I think it, it was like, yeah, sure, you think that I'm the prettiest and all of these these superlatives that you just threw at me. Like, I, I couldn't really believe it. Like, I thought it was a little too much for it to sound real, if that makes sense. Like, I think in a lot of cases, I would have preferred a more subtle compliment because I would have believed it more and I would have, would have appreciated it more rather than, like, you know, these over-the-top compliments. 
such as like, oh, you're looking so hot. You're so beautiful. Yeah. Or like, you're the most beautiful woman in the room or you're so crazy intelligent. And like after the person just met me, like how you don't even know, like, how can you even compliment me on something that you don't even know yet? You know, stuff like that, where I just couldn't take it seriously. Yeah, no, I, I totally get you. With dating in Germany, and I don't know how your experience has been or how many boyfriends you've had in Germany, but was there something that you feel is lacking in the German dating culture? Do you wish Germans did this more? I think a lot of people in Germany miss that guys even approach them. I think just it comes with our how reserved we are as a culture is that guys don't really approach women a lot or vice versa. Um, it's just a little bit more people are holding back a little bit more and it's a little harder to just even meet people to begin with. Um, other than that, honestly, I was in long-term relationships and well, one main long-term relationship in Germany. And so were most of my friends at the time. And a big difference, this doesn't really tie in with your question of like what I miss, but it's a big difference that I've noticed is that in my late teens, early twenties, mid twenties, um, all throughout that age age all throughout that time it was very common for me and my friends to have long-term committed relationships and it was common to be with someone for a few years even if you already maybe knew that you weren't going to get married um, whereas here I felt like when I met people in their early 20s and they were in a long-term relationships in a long-term relationship either they were already married or I even met people that were already divorced at 21 or something like that, which was crazy to me. Or it was like, once you were in a long-term relationship, everyone expected you to get married. Like it was kind of like this huge commitment. Whereas in Germany, I feel like you can still be with someone and live with them. I also lived with my boyfriend in Germany for a few years. A lot of people do that for practical reasons too. It, it's, not, it's not that big of a deal. Whereas here, when people moved in with each other, and I think the Midwest is very conservative in that regard. A lot, like their families and their friends would automatically expect, oh, okay, now you're getting married. Or they weren't even allowed to live with each other until they got married. Um, so I think in a lot of regards, relationships are a little bit more realistic in Germany in the sense of it's okay to be with someone for a few years and maybe you'll drift apart. Maybe the way that your lives develop, it doesn't line up. And in a few years, you're going to break up. That doesn't mean that you can't be together now. In the US, I always felt like it's a little more all or nothing. Like either you're fully in it now or like you can't be in it at all. And going hand in hand with that is one of the biggest things that I don't like about American dating. So now I've switched <laughs> to like, what do I not like about American dating is I think people here are so scared of commitment and confrontation and Germans are not uh, scared of confrontation as a culture like that's confrontation is in our blood and even though in dating people are maybe a little bit more scared of confrontation than they would be with a friend it's still very normal to be very honest and open with each other as you date someone to just tell them transparently hey I don't think you're a good match for me but I really like hanging out with you I'd be down to have like a friends with benefits thing or something like that or just telling someone, hey, that was really nice three dates. I don't really think that we're a good match, period. And I'm not saying ghosting doesn't exist in Germany. It definitely does, but not as much as in the US. Ghosting in the US is crazy. And I, it's not just something that I've experienced myself, but also just being in college and having roommates and having friends. It was literally the norm. 
being ghosted was normal almost. Like I've had friends where they were dating someone, not like being exclusive, but just like going on a few dates, which that was also always a huge thing with like, are we exclusive or not? And the guy asked them to meet his mom next weekend and he was staying at her place overnight. And then he literally got up in the middle of the night and left. And that was the last time that she ever heard from him. Like, what is happening? <laughs> Crazy. And that's not even that odd of a story. I've heard several of those stories. I've been ghosted myself. It's weird. And I feel like it has to do with Americans being so scared of confrontation that they really, really, really don't want to tell you something uncomfortable to your face or even via text, that they'd rather just disappear and hope that you get the hint. That is an absolutely crazy story. You know, having said that, of course, I know ghosting is a huge thing in North America. And actually, yeah. uh, I think U.S. and Canada as well, um, mm -hmm. because I've heard so many times uh, Europeans sharing the exact same thing with me, where I, I also think that what we talked about when it comes to the Americans viewing everything as a kind of commodity mm -hmm. that plays into dating as well, where I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but in Germany, when you're dating each other, you're just going to date each other. Let's see how that goes. If it doesn't work, we break up. But in the US, the idea is to date as many people as you want until you have the talk, which is where you you determine that you're exclusive, but until then it's expected that you're going to be dating multiple people, right? Absolutely. And yeah. Such a difference. That was a huge culture shock for me as well. Cause like, I'm glad that with my first boyfriend, it wasn't really an issue, but he did have the talk with me at some point And he asked if I'm his girlfriend. And I was like, I, yeah, I thought I was like, for me, that was already implied. Like we've been doing all these relationship things. Um, and, I know that some Germans also have the talk, but in a lot of relationships, it's also just kind of implied. Like you just, it just happens. Like you just naturally develop into a relationship. And as you said, as soon as you kind of do things in like a dating manner, you would expect the other person to automatically not see other people unless they ask you if that's okay. So it would be more like the default is that you don't see other people. And if you do want to see other people, you have to have a talk about that. Whereas in the US, as you said, it's the other way around. Like the default is that, of course, you're going to be seeing other people until you have to talk about being exclusive. And then especially in like your 20s, from what I experienced, a lot of people are very, very scared of the being exclusive talk. A lot of people are going to be like, let's not put labels on it. I just want to have fun. I just want to hang out. I don't want to like have a commitment. I don't want to put the label boyfriend or relationship. And I think that's very toxic in a lot of ways because I don't really know what people are scared of. You can be someone's boyfriend and then still break up three months later. It's okay. But I think Americans are so scared of that confrontation that they would then have to break up again that they don't even want to commit in the first place. That's a very interesting way that you just put it. I've also heard that German guys tend to mature a bit faster as well. Um, Maybe, whereas yeah. like Americans, they go through the period of parties and, you know, the, the frat boy period, I guess. Um, or it could be that, you know, the, this rose tinted glasses that we view Europeans with, like, oh, they're just more mature. They have it all, you know, more figured out and they tend to get serious faster. I think nowadays ghosting is a huge thing as well with dating apps absolutely but unfortunately i do think you're right uh, north america has more of that and it could be tied into the fact that you that people are afraid to have uh these conversations about whether or not they don't want to be with someone uh so 
unfortunately, the way we do dating nowadays, uh, I think you're lucky that you're in a relationship is that <laughs> thank you <laughs> is that there's just too much choice or there's there's a seeming endless amount of choice. Absolutely. Uh, and it's just easier to start seeing people as commodities that we mm -hmm. can just easily discard if we don't exactly feel excited about them yeah. a few days later. Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, that's just my theory about why Americans do it more. But that's something that I learned pretty early on was just that not only did I notice it, but also people told me that they just don't want to tell people uncomfortable things to their faces. And even if it was like feedback at work or feedback at university, like with a classmate or something, people just really, really hate that. Like it makes them feel so guilty to tell someone else something negative. And obviously we talked about it earlier and how negativity is kind of part of German culture. So like naturally we just don't have as big of an issue with that. And I think a big thing in German dating or other European countries as well, is that we truly appreciate honesty and we don't appreciate getting told something nice if it's not true. That's way worse than if you were just rude to me to begin with. I'd rather you be rude to me than tell me something nice, but it's, it's a lie. And so I think the biggest thing in German dating that people appreciate is transparency and honesty. Honesty is a huge thing in German culture in general. Um, a huge value that we appreciate. And I'm not saying that this always happens, especially with dating apps and everything. There's a lot of toxic dating in Germany going on too. But I think from what I experience in my friend's circle, it's still a lot more common to be honest with each other. And even if it's not working out, have that honest conversation of, hey, I just met someone else. I think like I'm not gonna be hanging out with you anymore. At least having that courage and that decency to tell the other person that instead of just disappearing sil silently and then the other person never knows what ever happened. I 100% agree, 100% agree. I think that you've touched upon like the, the most problematic part of our society nowadays is that I would rather know the truth then have someone completely disappear out of my life and I never know why. Because yeah. then I can build up worse stories in my head. Maybe they just weren't feeling it. That's okay, you know? Absolutely. I agree with that. Like, what are the odds that two people are the ones for each other? It's not that big of a deal. And for me, I always felt like, why would I be personally offended that after two or three dates, you just weren't into me as much as you maybe thought at the beginning? That's fine with me. I'm a grown-up person. I'm a rational person. I can live with that. I can live with that way better than if you disrespect me and just don't respond to me anymore or block me or some immature bullshit. That's all like kindergarten behavior. And another thing that I've also experienced a lot that was love bombing in the US. I don't know if that's the thing that you have experience with, but. I have, but not with an American, with a European. Oh, oh really? Okay. I've, I, that's something that I've experienced here a lot, but also, I mean, maybe it's not a cultural thing. Maybe it's just uh, depending on who you who you meet thing. But um, I always thought that maybe it had a lot to do with just how over the top Americans are in general, that then they also give you this over the top, like, oh my God, you're so amazing very early on. Even though, as I said earlier, they can't even know that yet. Like you've barely even met me. How would you even know that I'm that amazing? Um, and at least with Germans, I've never really heard that that much from myself and friends. Yeah. Having said that, when I talk about a European, I'm talking about like a French Belgian guy. Oh, so yeah. culture. French or Italian people. Yeah. <laughs>
exactly exactly <laughs> that you know completely different whereas like i find like of course if compared germans to americans germans as you said they they mean what they say generally mm -hmm. so they're not going to come out on the first day and tell you i love you yeah uh, because they don't mean it it's going to take them time to say that but once they say it generally they mean it more than if you say it on the first day or the second day you're either saying it because you think the person wants to hear it or yeah. maybe you're overcome by emotion in the moment and that's not lasting emotion because you don't know the person enough to have built that uh you know the the, the real attraction for them or the real connection with them so yeah that's what love love bombing is it's I, I don't I really don't know I think it's either narcissism or it's wanting to get into bed with someone or it's thinking that this is going to work on this person mm -hmm. to get into their pants essentially um but yeah that's very interesting i love how you broke it down the difference between the two cultures um i do think that americans are bigger than life i think movies encourage that as well i mean all those happy endings you know mm -hmm. running off into the sunset singing under people's windows like movies oh. back in the 80s and the 90s especially <laughs> you know if you grow up with that that that's how you see uh, relationships where I think yeah. German movies and European movies in general tend to be a little bit more realistic. There's not always a happy ending there. It's just True. kind of the way life is. I think also just in general of like how we learn about sexuality on the one hand. So I think sex, sex education has something to do with it. How we learn about relationships in Germany specifically is just more realistic and not so much that things have to be a certain way. Because that's something that I've experienced here in the US that a lot of people here just think, oh, but this is the rule of a relationship. You have to do it like this or you are not allowed to do this and this because now we're exclusive. So obviously this is the rule book. Um, whereas in Germany, I feel like a lot of relationships just do it their own way. Like every relationship is individual and you can make your own rules. You can live your relationship the way that it works best for the two of you as individuals. And that's a concept that I feel like I haven't really come across a whole lot here in the Midwest with other people. Like, at least at the beginning of a relationship, I felt like a lot of people had this very stiff idea of how it's supposed to be. And then if, if it wasn't like that, they would get upset, they would get angry at, at each other. And as a German, being in relationships too, I, I had to have conversations every now and then where I would say, but but why does it have to be like that? Or I didn't know that that was your expectation, for example, of how I'm supposed to behave if you bring me to a party or something like that. Or I remember with my first boyfriend, that was like a thing where I he brought me to parties and then I talked to other guys there. And for some reason, he was upset about that. And I was like, why? You, you brought me to a party? I thought it was great for you if you didn't have to cling to me the entire time. And I was a little bit independent and you didn't you could talk to your friends and I could talk to some people. And then obviously I'm with you, though. You don't have to worry about that. I think loyalty was also a big thing that for me that was implied. Whereas from a lot of Americans that I met here, they were very used to being cheated on and lied to and manipulated. And I was like, why would I do that? Like, obviously, I committed to you. Like, no question asked that I'm not going to flirt with anybody else, but you can still let me talk to other people. And that, that I don't know if it's a if it's a cultural difference, but that was at least a personal experience for me that the the loyalty wasn't really. I had to prove it first, whereas in Germany, I was used to like people expect you to be loyal. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I'm creating this quiz now where it's uh, very generalized, but the question is which culture fits you most? And yeah. one of the questions is when you go to a party with your significant other and what your expectations are. Mm -hmm. And for Germans and other cultures in the North, I put that you come to the party and you just talk to other people because you came to to a party. You know, you're not supposed to be there like holding on to each other and making mm -hmm. out the entire party. But for certain cultures like Brazilians, for example, I think it comes from a lack of trust as well, where it's like, yeah. well, if I'm going to go and talk to other guys and those guys are going to want to get into my pants. And so we don't really trust each other around the opposite sex. And it it, it differs person to person, of course, because you do get more jealous people in Germany that want to be by your side. But more chances are that this person's just going to trust you yeah. to go do your own thing, right? Like that's a healthy relationship is not to control each other, is not to be jealous, is not to be looking over your shoulder. Who is yeah. she talking to? Absolutely. I've heard that before that especially Latin American cultures, jealousy is a huge part of relationships, but it's almost like it's appreciated almost, or it's like it would be weird if there's no jealousy. Whereas in, in Germany, jealousy is not a sign for a healthy relationship at all. <laughs> This is why I always go back to this, but I love it when people are like fetishizing the some some foreign culture where they're mm -hmm. like, oh, I would absolutely love to date a Latina because mm -hmm. they're so fiery. And it's like this whole stereotype <laughs> of what Latina is. And this is actually part of the reason that I created this quiz is because I was like, yeah, but there's so many values that are specific to different cultures, which yeah. sure, there's people that don't particularly align with that, but then they probably either move away or, you know, or they they, they tend to be more international, whatever the case may be. But uh, usually that plays a huge part in how you perceive a healthy relationship. Whereas, you know, for a typical German, jealousy is not a positive aspect in a relationship. But no. for a typical Turkish person, you grow up with the notion that a, a relationship is supposed to be full of passion, fire, jealousy, like that's what your, your soap operas teach you, you know, yeah. and that's how you grow up. And if it's less than that, you're like, well, this is boring. This is dumb. Yeah. And, uh, and I find it so funny though, when people get into the relationship, they're like, oh no, I, I couldn't do it. Like our values were too different around that. Yeah. So that's really funny that you brought that up as well, because I totally get that as well. Like with my ex-boyfriend and, and he was Dutch. Mm -hmm. I remember we went to a party and like he, I expected him to be like right by my side because mm -hmm. I was with my Argentinian friend and she was with her Russian boyfriend and they were just like right by each other's side. And he told me afterwards, like, no, in the Netherlands, we go to a party to be with other people. Yeah. You may often not even know who's together. Like that's how independent everybody yeah. is. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's how it is in Germany, I would say, for the most part. And so that was one of those things that in intercultural relationships, you just have to kind of explain to each other. And sometimes you have to get into these situations first and then sometimes have a conflict first to even realize that there is a different expectation there. Because a lot of these things in your mind, they're implied, like they're normal. That's what you grew up with. Like, of course, it's going to be like that. You don't even question that it could be different in a different culture. So that's something that sometimes you just get into a situation, a conflict arises. And then when, when that's when you're like, oh, this is different in your culture, or you have a different expectation, or you interpret this in a different way, like you interpret this in a bad way when I go away from you at the party, whereas I interpret this as me being helpful, like I let you talk to your people, you don't have to constantly baby me, you don't have to babysit me and introduce me to everyone, I, I do my own thing. 
Exactly. No, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> it really does matter so much uh, yeah. where, where you're brought up. So uh, I just want to thank you so much. But before I let you go, because we've been talking for quite a long time, and I can have this conversation with you forever. But I have one last question for you. And that's how has uh, living in the US changed you as a person? So I would say, and I hope that my friends and family would agree with this, is that it's changed me in a good way. Um, I think for me personally, just the way that my character and personality is, it was very healthy for me to be here at the time that I was, which was I came here at the age of 22. And I think throughout my 20s, I'm now 29, so late 20s now, I feel like it's really shaped me in a positive way of like believing in myself and having the courage to try things. Because I think that was one of the biggest things that in Germany I felt so restricted by. And I think other people don't feel as restricted by this. But just for me, I've, I'm just a self-conscious person in, in that sense. I don't like to be judged. I don't like to stand out. I don't want other people to put thoughts into my head. When other people tell me their doubts, I automatically include them into my mindset and I don't I never liked that. I was like, let me just let me just be naive for a little bit and not even think about all these negative possi possibilities basically. And being here it just made me feel free in the sense that I've tried things that sounded crazy at first. I've started the YouTube channel. I um I, and I know that people that knew me in Germany, I don't even want to say friends because I think those people probably weren't my real friends, but, you know, people that you used to work with, colleagues, classmates, um, people that you just knew. I know that people have probably talked shit about me for it. I just, I know that for a fact because I know how German culture works. Um, Germans find that cringe in a lot of cases when you start an online presence or they'll be like, oh, who does she think she is? Like, why would she think that she can become a YouTube star? Something like that, which wasn't even why I wanted to do this. Like, I just wanted to have a creative outlet and I enjoyed making videos. But America, my American friends, they all supported me and they all thought it was a really cool idea and they told everyone about it. And like, they were so like euphoric about it almost. Like everyone told, like I uh, volunteered for this nonprofit organization and at the board meeting, like the board chair, she um, told the whole board like, oh, did you know that Feli has this YouTube channel now? You should all go and subscribe. It's really, really cool. And I don't know, that just like was really, really cool for me that I felt free to do these things. Then even buying a house. That was also something that maybe I would have never had the courage to even take that step and even look into that. Is that Am I even able to do that? Can I afford that? Is that too much for me? Am I in over my head? Here, I just felt like, well, Everyone kind of does it. Everyone just kind of does things that they don't have 100% figured out and they'll just figure it out along the way and that's okay. Whereas in Germany, I feel like there's a lot of expectation for perfectionism and a lot of people wait until they're really, really good at something until they then do it or then take that extra step. And um, for me, I think that was just very healthy in a lot of ways to branch out and try new things and not feel like I'm constantly being watched and constantly feel embarrassed. And I think that's, by the way, so beautifully put. I think the the issue with waiting until you're very good at something is that you are not going to be perfect at something until you've put in a lot enough action into yeah. that. You know, having started a YouTube channel and you running a YouTube channel, you know that the first few videos or the first even, even here yeah. we're, just, we're just a disaster because you don't know what you're doing and if you're going to wait until you're perfectly ready to start a youtube channel you have the perfect equipment and the perfect script and the perfect 
topic, you're just never going to start. You're always going to be putting it off. And I think there's something that is really beautiful about the American culture, which is a land of immigrants, people yep. that had to start from scratch, is that anything is possible. Mm -hmm. I think there's something beautiful about that. Nowadays, it's, it's a trend to crap on the US and to say Europe is mm -hmm. better. And I do think there are ways that are there are things that are better in Europe. Uh, that's a fact, you know, uh, healthcare being one of them. Yeah. But what America offers is the 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 feeling of possibility and the feeling of I don't have it all figured out, as you said, but I'm going to at least try it out. And if I fail, I get up and I try it again or I do something else. But at least I've lived my life knowing that I did something and not yeah. just waited until everybody was OK with my decision and checked with everybody and waited until I was perfectly ready to do that. And, you know, then I'm at 80 years old on my deathbed thinking I lived the life of everybody else yeah. and everybody else that has judged me is now dead. So what did I really <laughs> live it for? You know, it was all worthless yeah. at the end. Absolutely. So I think there's something really great about that. And, you know, to anybody who's a hater, the fact that you've reached this many subscribers and you have such an engaged following and you're truly creating content that's that resonates with people and you're earning money from that is something that, you wouldn't have done if you've been looking back and uh, being afraid of being judged. Absolutely. And I always say, I don't think I would have ever started a YouTube channel if I had stayed in Germany for like the one reason being that I probably wouldn't have had a topic because my whole topic is like living abroad. So I wouldn't have had that. But then also I wouldn't have felt comfortable. Like I would just not have had the courage, not because of myself, not because of the internet, but because of the people in my direct environment, just facing my colleagues or my friends and like, knowing that they've seen it and knowing that they probably don't approve of it or having to justify myself, as I said earlier, like, oh, why are you doing this? Do you think this is a good idea? Um, or also constantly being criticized. Germans also love giving um, unasked feedback. So like when you don't ask for feedback, they'll be like, hey, like I watched your new video, just letting you know, like at the end, this and this and this could have been better. And it's like, Great. Thank you. Like, I know that they mean well. They like they think it's constructive criticism, which it is. But sometimes I just don't want to hear it. Like, I just want to be oblivious and, and naive sometimes and just not worry about it too much because then I don't have the guts to make the next video. Sometimes I just don't even want to know what was bad about it. <laughs> No, 100%. I 100% agree. You know everything that you don't like in your videos. Exactly. You don't need another person to tell you. You're like, <laughs> I know this wasn't my best. But you know what? I make them every single week. It can't always be perfect. You know, I do exactly. my best. And it's and it's so much work and it's so much self-doubt to like, I don't need an extra person to give me their unsolicited feedback, which is, you're right. Germans do have a tendency for telling you straight up if they don't like something. And yeah, absolutely. And then when you say something yeah. against it, they'll be like, oh, but... Why wouldn't you? Like, they genuinely think that this is a good thing. This is a, I'm helping you. Why wouldn't you want to hear it? Yeah. Sometimes a bit of a lack of empathy in a way where it's like, you, you say it because you think it's helpful, but you don't understand how that might be perceived where it's mm -hmm. like, it, it's it's not always pleasant to listen to negative feedback. Americans, yeah. on the other hand, are in, internally positive. Yeah. <laughs> and even if they offer you negative feedback, it's going to go along the lines of, no, no, everything was great. But if I could just, there, just one thing, but no, 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 everything was wonderful. It was great. Like They that. do the sandwich feedback always. Yeah. Germans, Germans suck at that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it wasn't your best. This wasn't very good.
Yeah, I mean, there's also like this thing of translating, um, like there's these tables and we talked about how Americans tend to exaggerate a lot. There's these like tables of what does it mean when an American says this was awesome, this was great, this was good. Um, and then what does that translate to in German? And like, for example, when someone in the US says, oh my God, this was so amazing. In German, that means that was pretty good. <laughs> if someone in the US says that was fine, that pretty much translates to yeah, that was pretty shitty, but you don't want to say it was pretty shitty. Whereas in German, if you say you can't complain about that, that's a pretty big compliment from a German. <laughs> so true. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. It was such a fascinating conversation. I just, you know, just finding out about the differences between the two cultures as someone who's, li who's lived in both. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it was fascinating. And of course, guys, if you want to check out Feli's channel, I'm going to link to it below. She makes incredible videos. And you also have a podcast. I don't know if you're continuing it at the moment or did you stop? We just published the final episode, but of course, there are almost 80 episodes out there, so you can still go ahead and listen to them. It's called Understanding Train Station, and you can find it on YouTube or on audio streaming platforms. And it's with my friend Josh, who's an American who lives in Germany. So we're just like, we switched roles and we talk about basically what we just talked about, all the cultural differences. Amazing, guys. So go check out Feli's channel and check out her podcast. Thank and you. thank you to everyone for watching. And let us know what you thought about the episode. If you could relate to any of it. Are you German? Are you American? And how did this episode strike you? And stay tuned for next week's video where I feature another country.